Damn, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back. How's everyone doing today? <laughs> it's the boys. We're uh, ba- we're officially back in town. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, Crow, your partner's pregnant? You didn't tell me that. Can we talk about that on the pod? Yeah, we can absolutely talk about that on the pod. Holy um, shit. Do all the PlayStation 4 games about being a father now, like, matter more to you? Are you just like, <laughs> are you are you just like looking at Kratos and being yeah. like, damn, it me. Just, yeah, just playing through the new God of, just playing through the new God of War, taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> do I not leave never, in Alfheim. <laughs> I <laughs> throw enemy through tree. <laughs> <laughs> I've still never played the God of War games, so I'll have They're to, I'll have to get back, back on you, back to you on that. Well, one. I'll tell you, mm-hmm. the first three are decidedly not about being a dad, so you could probably <laughs> skip those. <laughs> they're so, about fucking, actually. Yeah, they're okay. t- yeah, they're sort of about like the mechanics of becoming a dad. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, because that's what I was gonna say. One thing I, I w- no one was talking about was how in every God of War uh, game there's been a playable sex scene. Uh, so I was like, well, in this new one, is he gonna like make his son wait outside while he has sex with like a, a mermaid or something? And blessedly, uh, the answer is you'll see. Don't. And the answer, unfortunately, is no, but hopefully wow, God of War. Spoilers. God of War 2, hopefully. No, I don't care. That game's been out for forever. I'll, 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 I'll tell everyone that they let me down. <laughs> I'll fucking yell it on the mountain. Uh, but Crow, we interrupted you. Tell us about this monumental moment in your life as a... This is a huge moment for a gamer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's been great. We found out we were pregnant, like like two weeks into the pandemic. So Holy this moly. has just been like, just like a whole roller coaster of emotions because it's just wow. like, mostly, mostly just cause like for me, <laughs> it's mostly just been like, Oh man, I have no idea how to predict how I'll make money in the future. Cause totally. like I work in the film industry. My industry has been shut down since March like I know it's going to come back. Like I know it's going to be fine because like watching TV and movies is literally the only thing any of us has, have been doing this whole time. So, um, so obviously there's a huge demand for movies and TV productions to continue happening. But um, yeah, someone's got to make my new queebies, right? Yeah, Griffin dude, needs his quick bites, dude. I, yeah. I, I, when you've eaten all your quick bites and all the, all that's left is large bites, yikes. Yeah, I did a Queeby show last year uh, in uh, like October and November, and that has honestly like been a lifesaver for me this year because that was like kind of a five week long union show. And so and it was all W2. So it's like the main reason I had any bankable money at all for unemployment it was like pretty well paid so i got like the maximum benefit amount and so like this whole year was pretty much saved by that one quibby show oh right wait wait wait. which one was it again it's a it's a show called damage control i don't know if it's out yet but because i've i've watched a lot of quibby i haven't seen i don't think i've seen that have you really Yes, I've watched a lot of Queeby. I think it's very funny to watch Queeby. <laughs> like, so you're watching it as a bit? <laughs> I'm, yes, as a bit that only I, I'm laughing at yeah, myself yeah. while I'm doing it. For, like, for no one. For real yes. absolute for no one shit. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. That's a hundred percent what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> I, I watched the show, uh, the most dangerous game or whatever with Christoph. Oh Waltz. yeah, how was that? 
Uh, not good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, th- I, I saw a, a hilarious article written by Queeby where they called Christoph Waltz the most dangerous game actor, which I thought was the funniest. Like, be like, oh yeah, Christoph Waltz from A Most Dangerous Game on Queeby. Yeah, no, that's the thing <laughs> that's we all the, know him from. That's the thing we remember <laughs> him for. Uh, but the 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 one to check out is the the horror anthology one, especially the first one directed by Sam Raimi. Ooh. Oh yeah, Sam Raimi directs uh, the th- first three uh, mini episodes, queeps, the first three quick bites of a horror anthology, and it's about a woman uh, who loses her arm and gets a golden arm and is obsessed with her golden arm, uh, but the golden arm starts killing her and she refuses to take it off. It's incredible. Uh, it's it's really fucking good. I highly recommend it. But no, yeah, Queeby Queeby's dumb. <laughs> Queeby's dumb, so I watch her for four hours every day. <laughs> Everyone needs that dumb thing they know is dumb, right? Uh, yeah, you just gotta bleed out. You gotta just keep smoothing out the old brain. Yeah. My just brain's too spiky and sharp. Trying to get these wrinkles out. You gotta smooth it down like a marble. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, Crow, it's, it's been a minute uh, since we've had you on. Of course, if, if you don't know, Crow Doomig back on for, I think, a third timer now. It's a second time, I think. Um, second timer? We yeah, did Persona time. last time. We did Persona. Yeah, Persona I don't think no one sends. Yes. I think we uh, talked uh, about doing one at some point, but we didn't do it. Right. W- were, you, were you at our show where we did everything in Austin? That was Eric. That yeah. was Eric. You, yeah. you, you weren't both there at, this, at no, that time, right? I was, I was in L.A. that time. In L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, it's it's a pleasure to have you back. You know, we we have a lot of different topics to discuss today. Um, uh, but of course, uh, first, you wanted to talk about a game you've been playing during the core, Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, yeah. I just finished it like earlier this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. And who boy, what a great game. Um, lots of fun. It's like playing Breath of the Wild, but more violent and in 13th century Japan. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does um, have a lot of that same, like, if you see a mountain, you can go there and something cool will be their energy as, right. as Breath of the Wild. Yeah. While I was doing, I was just like taking a, a few notes this morning just so I could remember all of the names and things. And I, I came across like the 2018 E3 like gameplay presentation video. And even then, like they did a similar thing to Breath of the Wild where this guy the, the main character like walks up a hill and then you're just like it reveals a lot of Tsushima and you just mm-hmm. see it before you. And it yes. does this kind of like slow yeah. sort of like totally. camera pan around the character revealing like all the space just like in the beginning of Breath of the Wild. I was like, oh, OK, cool. Mm-hmm. They, they also do a good uh Another, another Breath of the Wild element for me is they try to do the open world side activities, but make each one interesting in a different way um, to try to make it feel or mask its repetitiveness. So, like, you know, you can vibe out and do some haikus and that does feel a little bit different from like the platforming <laughs> challenges the foxes take you on or like mm-hmm. uh, just doing the random uh, little like extra difficulty challenges at when you like free a village yeah it's worth it's worth noting man the haikus are amazing in this game because like 
you suck at writing haikus in this game. Oh my god, you're the worst <laughs> like, at it. Fucking every line is like extremely generic and terrible. Now, it's cringe. It, you're it's, posting cringe. Yeah, you're constantly every time. posting cringe, and it's so dope. You're just oh, like, and it's recorded. It's like every time you go into your gear and you look at the headbands, you can like see how badly you did. Yeah, it's um, like you just fought a bunch of Mongols, and the game is like reflect on uh, time, and then you're like <laughs> river swimming up. Downward doom lurking behind. Same my father my is like tree, or my father is a tree, and it's now, like. Now I gotta ask y'all: Did you guys play it in English or in Japanese? Uh, I I played it in English because we talked about this uh, when we first talked about this game. Is the same yeah. way I am with anime. I like to like look at the stuff, and if I'm looking at the frame, I'm not looking at subtitles, and so I feel like I lose a lot of like the visual craft if I. Do subtitles? Do you know what I mean? Oh, I feel reverse though. I feel like I feel like I, in the same way, I listen to the Japanese version of anime. I I watched did the American version of this game, so their mouths matched. Right? Like, yeah, I that's what threw that. me off. Like, yeah. like just like the Japanese stuff was fine, but like, I, I, whatever whoever is making the product no matter what it's based on, like the original director and his relationship with the voice cast is going to get better work. So oh, yeah. like the, the dub is always secondary work, not from like the actors themselves who are always going to be giving it in the dubs, but like, it's just, it's just like a, it's a copy of a copy, right? Or it's oh, yeah. like a I shadow just, I just care less about the voice acting than I care about like the visuals. And so I just don't want my yeah. eyes to be drawn to the bottom of the frame by subtitles. And I'd rather be like sure. looking off the side to see the sunset or whatever. Like you're totally For right. Sure. Like I'm sure the fucking Japanese dub is Japanese voice acting is way more compelling and easier to attach to but I just like want to see a bird yeah <laughs> fair enough you know for sure I did notice yeah. that early on in the game like I started by playing in Japanese just kind of thought that that would be cooler and then I realized the mouths were off so I switched it back to English but then the English voice talent I was like not a huge fan of because of right I, I, it's just yeah. hard for me you know especially like having I can't like speak Japanese, but like having studied Japanese a little bit, mm -hmm. like it's just a little hard for me to get down with like English speaking actors who put on like a fake pseudo Asian. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Not Asian in like the, you know, in like our, in like the racist sense, but in like the, in like the, all oh, all Asians sound like serene or something like, well, or I yeah, don't know, they all have. Well, the same and, tone and it's right, like yeah, yeah I, like, I don't think so well yeah like in Japanese there's only like 128 sounds that you can possibly make to to form any word in Japanese and so a lot of like the Japanese accent is gonna basically be based off of those pronunciations and things and so when you hear like an, an American or like English speaking actor just like putting on a vaguely Asian accent, but not yeah. one that follows Japanese pronunciation. You're just like, wait, what is this? That's why I met, I kind of, I did, I did in the middle of both you guys, I turned it to Italian and it was perfect <laughs> the whole time. Amazing. <laughs> a samurai Child epic. And it's like a spaghetti, spaghetti samurai. Spaghetti samurai yeah. yeah. I, I was just saying, listen, like we only have a, we only have, a, I'm going to say nine months to a year until we can't make a fun of Italians anymore. So turn all your games to Italian while you can. While we can. Um, Get but, it. Yeah. Uh, aside from the, the language stuff like that, uh, I, I felt like in, in certain ways, I was loving the core gameplay, but 
the game overall, I felt actually lacked in level design. Um, it really, no matter what village you're liberating, the the landscape and the territory is exactly the same. Uh, there, there really isn't like that much nuance or or level design to any of this stuff. So the gameplay feels more repetitive simply because you're just simply fighting the same enemies in the same looking villages over three different zones that have different like types of weather. Uh, and the difference with Breath of the Wild is that the temples are all these unique puzzles and have level design to them. And even all the shrines in Breath of the Wild have uh, incredible different landscapes, puzzles, challenges, and ideas in them. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima lacks those ideas. And for that, it, it starts to become a, a far less interesting game and quite a slog um, as, once you start to realize that like this is all the game has to give. Yeah, I I think I kind of, I mostly agree. I think that my problem is, is very similar that like, the big missions have some variance in like the setups and like the, the characters and like the stakes and like how you have to approach it or whatever. And those are fun. And like the little things where like you chase a fox or like follow a bird. Um, also like are fun and variant or like go find a shrine or whatever. But it's like the majority of the game is these like side quests where you like liberate a camp or you go with the sensei to go find his enemy or you do X, Y, Z like side thing. And every single one of those things starts feeling really samey. Yes. So your only things that really break up the monotony are like these short little side things or main story things of which there's a limited amount. Mm-hmm. And so it just like becomes like, oh, if I'm playing this game for any reason, but the main story, I'm just gonna like I will get kind of like stuck in the loop for a while. And it gets- also, did you get did you guys notice that every side quest character's story was that they had a bad apprentice? Like <laughs> like that that was every side quest. It was like no matter who it was, it was like I had a apprentice once. They we're powerful. They betrayed me. I was like, okay, this is like three different characters' arcs. Well, yeah, right? and it's Jin. It's Jin's story too. Just he is it's the, the bad main apprentice. Story right. too. Yeah. yeah, it's just this like is, it's uh, a it's a it's a game about bad apprentices. Yeah. yeah, I also felt like a lot of the side quests wanted to like turn your expectations on their head. You know, like you would see like a woman crying, and she's like, "They took my whole family," and then you go and you like kill a bunch of Mongols, and you find like one member of her family and and then the guy's like i'm never going back to her she sold me to these guys like that sucks like she sucks i'm not going back to her i'm just gonna go live on my own i felt like it was hard to like really latch on to a lot of these side quests because so many of them ended with like everybody but you being like a dishonorable bastard yeah this goes this goes back to our like discussion about moral ambiguity in video games from a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago like mm-hmm. this game would have been served by having a couple of more clear cut, like good guy, bad guy things just yes. for you to play off of, because it does feel sort of like I get in like a meta sense. It's good that we're like uninvading Japan from their perspective or whatever. But a lot of times it's like, oh, so what I did was killed a bunch of bandits who are poor people and like uh, brought this woman back to be, you know, a prisoner at this camp where she belongs to this guy who runs a bar or whatever. And it's like, I get that's like trying to complicate your quest. So it doesn't just feel like purely you're doing the good thing, but it just like gets so like, I just don't feel good about doing the side quests ever because it's always going to be like, what that lady who sold to rescue me was my mom. And she's been eating my toes since I was born. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like, I don't want to do that at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, fr- it's frustrating that way. 
Yeah. yeah I, I would say though that the, the, the uh, and the chat is mentioning this right now. Like there is this core gameplay that is incredibly satisfying to it. And the duels were really badass too. Um, like whenever you duel someone, that stuff was really fun, but still it always felt like this game established a great base layer. And then I was like, what if there was a fucking monster you could fight with this with this gameplay like mechanics and stuff? It always just felt like the 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 gameplay was the, the, your powers and what you could do as a character. Your abilities were so incredible, yet you kept on just fighting the same kind of tiered levels of human. And I was like, damn, like this game is di- like its systems are crying out to fight something cooler than these humans. Right. I mean, this is one of the uh, many and, reasons. And the same with the duels. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the many reasons The Witcher ends up being a better version of what this game is doing mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. And like, yeah, it, it would be so much fun if there was like serpents and Oni things and like those big skeleton guys and like Tanukis are running around. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, I think that would be it was actually such a more fun world. that's a little bit less like grimdark. But just on a system level, yeah. it would just give you an ability to have more imagination with what you can do with those systems. Because at the end of the day, like you're just walking into every village, parry, parry, uh, breaking their defense and then killing them. And yeah, there's some more tools to make that more uh, uh, like different variety. But, you know, the enemies don't get that much harder. You know, they just get a little more health. Right. Yeah, and depending that's... on your build, you know, that could matter or not you know and depending on what level of difficulty you're playing on you know i played on hard yeah i also played on hard and so like in the beginning of the game when you're still kind of getting used to the dexterity challenge of the main combat it's like then it was kind of hard and you die a few times but eventually you get so much health from all of these uh these um hot springs and you get so many so many resolve circles that you can just like heal yourself a billion times and Mm -hmm. also you get like a bow that can kill people in one shot so like you just kill like the three or four dudes right in your immediate vicinity and then you just like off everybody else with a bow like it's really not terribly difficult after a certain point in the game but that being Mm -hmm. said i think this the sort of battle mechanic that they set up with the different stances being good against different types of characters and like the perfect parry mechanism and the perfect dodge mechanism and things like that were actually very fun and engaging as a dexterity challenge but after a certain point you know you just you get good at it and then it doesn't really matter yeah i mean that's that's the thing about this game though that you've hit on the thing that makes this game fucking pop off which is that they make so many things so fucking satisfying Mm-hmm. Um, like fucking holding down triangle and doing a stab through someone's gut is amazing. Or like perfect parry and cutting someone in their chest is so dope. Or like a great dodge and counter move is so much fun. Yeah, um, and especially and so, when you can like chain them together and do like feel like you're just like the protagonist of like you know thir- thirteen assassins or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's you like know? you're doing some absolute throne of blood stuff, and it's like. Yeah. <laughs> It's like that fucking rules. But the problem is that like that only goes so far. And like that's that's the thing is that like by the end of the game, I was kind of just burning through act three because I'd like just done that so many times. And I just knew that like, oh, the thing that happens by doing these side quests is I like, get that feeling again with no like elevated stakes or elevated challenge mm-hmm. as opposed right. to like doing the main quest where at least there's like these story things happening and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So in summation, I think we can say there was a lot of fun to be had with this game, but it it kind of wore out its welcome. And if there is going to be a sequel, um, these open world games 
they need to have more more definition to their areas. It's not just about making it look pretty. It has to be it has to vary the gameplay as well more. Also, uh, right. as my note for everything, uh, make it fantasy. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make it fantasy. Yeah. Or um, at the yeah. very least, make it like intri- like political intrigue, like a la Game of Thrones. Like I think it would have been cool if instead of just like sort of Kotun Khan in the distance of this entire story arc, you know, if you could, if you have an open world game, like, you know, I remember the creator saying that he like really liked the movie Yojimbo and that it was like a big influence. Like, what if you could just walk into this city and there's like a kind of intriguing subplot where there's like these warring factions and you can join a faction or not and like do these things. And like, there's Mm -hmm. just like, and it's like a new whole sort of mechanic that is revealed in each new city that is almost makes it like a different game. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. A give portion me some of fucking, time, give me, you know? give me some G dang Sarumans. Like, give me some like medium sized bad guys who threaten to use the big problem to make their own little fiefdom. Right. Like, give me some damn Sarumans in this movie or in this I game. Would love, I would love some Sarumans. I'd love some sick kings, some sick yeah. Rohan kings. Yeah, I'd love, uh, a, I'd love, a, <laughs> I'd love a Theoden zombie. Um, but okay, so one thing about this game though, before we move on, because it feels oh, like we're about. Uh, I wanted to move on. What else yeah. do we have to well, talk about Well, there's a big here? question, oh. which is, uh, what did you guys do at the end? What was your I ending I was going to ask that too, you motherfucker. You stole my question. <laughs> okay, so we said the same thoughts. It was a good idea. So let's answer the question. Uh-huh. You know, let's end the podcast. All right. Well, <laughs> right here. Now, now that Griffin and I have the same idea at the same time. Uh, 23 minutes. It's going to be great. <laughs> I think it yeah. means forever. I think episode 126 is the end. Now that we had the same idea once. <laughs> okay, Crow, what did you do? Yes, Lux, yes to that. Crow, what did you do? Uh, I spared Lord Shimra um, yeah. because I kind of had played a sort of like, I don't know, because initially when I started the game, I, you know, wasn't really sure if the game's mechanic would have you doing like sort of like a fable thing where like if you if you did more ghost shit, it went this way. It's incredibly confusing. And if you did more samurai shit, it went this way. Yeah, and they don't do that, but all the characters get mad at you when you do stealth, but you have to stealth in missions uh, more like gaslighting of Tsushima. Right, yeah, Yeah, it's like It kind of is. They railroad you into a lot of choices. (laughs) Yeah, they do. And so, to the degree that I could remain sort of honorable and empathetic and like merciful I was but like also the game kind of forces you to be unmerciful and dishonorable so yeah you know it didn't really feel congruent with any amount of like actual role play that I could feel embodying Jin Sakai but you know Mm -hmm. I still didn't love I didn't love the idea of getting all the way to the end there and like especially with some of the the sort of throwaway dialogue choices that you have during some of the main missions like when you're talking with um yuna she like asks you about your uncle one time and i remember saying like uh, she's saying like you know are you gonna repair that relationship now that he like wanted to send you to the shogun to get executed or whatever and Uh i was like yeah, man. Like, I mean, that guy was like my dad, basically. Like, you know, I my dad died when I was like 10. And so this guy's been my dad this whole time. Like, I'd be t- kind of a monster if I was just like, he, he wronged me once. I'm going to cut him down. Like, that well, sucks. Well, yeah, for me. Well, he wronged you a bunch of times. But for <laughs> me to, to, to kill your uncle would be to like, to be like, 
to be cucked into following the honor bullshit. Like you're falling in, <laughs> you're falling into the honor paradigm if you like kill him in that duel. But like the whole idea of like why we were rejected and rebelled against our uncle was that this idea of honor is like incredibly stupid and like gets people killed and like isn't thinking about like the greater goods or whatever, or at least that's what I took away from it. So to like, to like give him what he wants, which is to, you know, no, fuck that. Fuck right. honor. Yeah, I actually I did the same thing. I guess we all had uh, similar things. It was just, it felt so like at least the game seemed to be telling you that like the lesson is that the ghost way is not totally right, but neither's the neither's the honor way. Yeah, and then it's like, well, if the honor way is not totally right, I'm not just gonna kill my dad over it. Like, it's if it's <laughs> if this whole game has just taught me one to one that this is a like not a foolproof <laughs> ethical approach, then like, yeah, I'm not gonna kill like the most important human in my life. That's right. crazy. That's an insane hey. thing for the game to ask like um, <laughs> ask of the players. And so I was just like, yeah, yeah, you can go. You're fine. Yeah, you can go. You're chill. Now, I have one one last question for you guys, which is really the most important part of this entire game, which was like, what did you guys have like a main outfit and sword kit that you used? Like really just the character customization was like most of the fun that I had in this game, like just running around trying to find pillars of honor so I could get cool new swords or like, you know, the first time I think one of the most exhilarating times in the entire game for me was like when I found the white dye guy. Oh, yeah. And the black dye guy. I was like, oh, shit, sick new costumes. Like, yeah, dude. And so. I just was wondering if like because for me, like I played pretty much the entire game in the traveler's attire. As soon as I found the white die guy, I was in the white traveler's attire. As soon as I found the black die guy, I was in the black traveler's attire for pretty much the entire time rolling around with like various hats or headbands. Yeah, I I tried them all, but, uh, you know, I I did like Sakai armor because I min max and that one's the best. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that one's the best to do your standoffs or whatever. What about yeah, you? the Sakai armor. Uh, I, I did the bulkiest, most ostentatious samurai armor I could at any time. And then a headband with a haiku about um, death that I thought just like sucked total ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah. I thought it was funny to run around with like this dumbass, fucking dumb terrible saying. poem on my head. <laughs> and it's just like, I killed you. And here's the last thing you see, a poem that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thought that was like a fun way to approach it. So that's what I did. Oh, that's my so gosh. Funny. Great. Wait, the last thing you see will be a haiku about the grass being green. <laughs> I remember one, one line is like red. One of the lines is like, or like the middle line is like ever rushing water. I, it was like three lines that just didn't make any sense together. Like they were like, I, I fucked it up so bad. It's oh, I love Ever uh, rushing water, coarse right. sand, hanging yeah. with my boys. Well, uh, yeah. well, that was Ghost of Tsushima. I think we all came to uh, similar agreements, and I, and I don't think any of us really shilled for it in a way that would have brought dishonor to our gaming uh, ancestries. Uh, moving on, I just got a gamer chair for the oh, first time in my life as a gamer, and that's right. If you're watching on stream, oh yeah, where I just went all the way back. Oh, uh, it's incredible. It's it's pretty crazy uh, that that it t- took me this long to get one of these suckers. Uh, now, have either of you ever had a gamer chair? I have um, not ever owned one. I once did like sound on a thing for Rooster Teeth where we were like following around this 
team of gamers that play Rainbow Six. And so I got to sit in a gamer chair one time um, and it was fairly comfortable, but maybe not worth the money unless I was like sponsored by the gamer chair company. For sure. There's definitely expensive ones. I got a fairly, uh, you know, like mid tier one. I got one of those GT racing ones. And oh boy, it is like physically saved me and just like my mental health. Like I've been sitting in this broken office chair all of quarantine. And like now I have this lumbar support pillow and I got a back head pillow. And like it's like sitting down for the first time. Yeah. And soon it'll be like Wally. You'll just be like rolling around in your gamer chair with like, you know, like a little joystick. I want my bones to be jello. <laughs> Your bones will be jello. It'll be great. Everyone remembers the first time they sat down, and finally, Griffin can access that memory again. <laughs> Man, it does seem really nice to have a gamer chair. Um, I, I just say because it, it's like, we let's stop calling them gamer chairs. Let's just start calling them prof- chairs for professionals. Are you saying because, normal? Are you saying normalized gamer chairs, Griffin? I, I'm saying normalized gamer chairs. I'm saying take the stigma out of gamer chair because this chair is for anyone. This chair is for non-gaming work too. This chair is for editors. This chair is for people who just post it on Facebook. Like I've never felt uh, more ready to be at my desk to do anything. Um, and so, you know, if you're a writer, uh, if you're just if you're just watching the Choom Room on stream sometimes, you know, I mean, I, I should be sponsored the way I talk about products. I was about to say, dude, g- g- who is paying you to talk <laughs> about this fucking chair? <laughs> I'm just I'm just a sucker. No, but I, I love the chair. Um, and uh, I guess that's all I wanted to say. I wanted to make it official that I love the chair. I want to I just want that out there. I want everyone. I just want everyone <laughs> to know. Um, uh, something else caught my eyes, though, guys. And, and Lux, you, you, you can preempt me because I just brought up a story. No, I got, no, I got nothing super specific. Uh, All right. Well, then, so go for then it. this article really caught my eyes by Forbes. Title, would the PS5 be doomed priced at $600? No. Mm. Okay. No, I mean, I think some people <laughs> would probably still buy it. I mean, when I saw the the, like... PS5 like initial games preview thing like none of them really stood out to me they showed like maybe 10 games and you know I think the one that stood out the most to me was the one where you play as a cat or something yeah the cat Mm -hmm. wizard thing yeah the cat wizard thing or like the there was like one with like cats and like cyborgs like yes you're like a cat in like there was there was two cat games that stood out to me yeah and that one looked kind of fun but, other but those than games that, will not be launch. Those will not be at launch. No way. Oh, gotcha. So th- I mean, but that even bodes worse for me for the PlayStation Five because then I'm like, mm, none of these games like are look amazing. Like I'm just waiting for Persona Six. You know, that's all I want. But see, that's yeah. I think that's the big thing about this though is that like I think Sony can reasonably bank on being like. Hey, everyone, your favorite console games. Guess where they live? The PlayStation. And we'll put it out for 600. And there's going to be a wave of people who buy it at 600. Then the price will drop with the next like wave of big releases. And a bunch of people will just buy it because like, you know, uh, Uncharted 9 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like God of War Z, um, etc. Like that's all going to pop out. Uh, and so that's just going to like draw people back to the platform. Like I don't think 600 is going to DOA uh, this whole process. Um, well, console prices do take a long time to drop, as the, as as the chat says. Um, but you know, uh, 
the PS3 was $600 and that totally fucked it in, in terms of that, like going up against the Xbox 360. I mean, I know it fucked it for me. I couldn't afford a $600 console. So I went from PS2 to Xbox 360. Yeah, I mean, it would, but eventually it caught up. Like if Sony's like winning the console battle. Right, but you know, it's like, this is probably the last console battle if we want to really think about this realistically, I mean, there might be like PS sixes and shit, but I mean, we're, we're slowly like moving away from like the physical hardware, especially as more people get uh, better and better computers and more companies invest in like Netflix, like streaming of games uh, where you don't need as hardcore of hardware. Yeah. I mean, the Um, real thing that's coming is going to be like the, the Sony PlayStation six TV, which is just mm-hmm. like your smart TV that has your PlayStation inside of it. That would be that'll be smart for them to go that direction. Yeah, with it. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, they're already like, selling those consoles with like no disk drive and stuff to give you like the cheaper option. Yeah, and it's like now it's like I'm me, me and Lux are twits, like sick, twisted individuals. So it's highly likely that we get the PS5 no matter what oh, yeah. it's priced. Uh, but I now have a PC. And I keep looking at the list of games coming out for the PS5 and I'm like, damn, like not only will most of these be coming day one also on PC, but they will look better on my PC. They will like run at higher frame rates and and like, you know, and I could like push their their shit higher. Um, So so I don't know. It's it's like uh, if it's six hundred dollars right at the top just to play like Ratchet and Clank four or whatever. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they're going to do. But on the flip side, they don't have any competition because Xbox doesn't even have a Halo game. So, like, what does Xbox have? Nothing. They don't have jack shit. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of it, man. Like, there's they don't need uh, they don't need like a ton. I just think that it's the implication of the stuff that's coming. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing is like everyone has a fucking PlayStation title. That's an exclusive that they fucking love. Um, and that's going to do a lot of the work, I think. Yeah. You know, like everything has mega fanboys. The different, the difference is that I think for Xbox, it's like, like someone said in the chat, like Xbox has Xbox fanboys and there are very few of them, but they'll all buy an Xbox. They love the Xbox, uh-huh. but PlayStation has fanboys of specific franchises. So it's going to be tiered out longer over time. I think. Yeah. As like they get adjusted to it. Right. Um, well, uh, sounds like me and Lux are probably still going to have to buy them for the podcast. So, and because I want it, yeah, a little bit of both there. Uh, I want to talk about Fall Guys. Okay, bro, have you you been playing Fall Guys? What's Fall Guys? Whoa, oh, mommy. Okay, uh, it's the fucking it's the fucking new sensation that's sweeping the nation. Oh yeah, <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Uh, Griffin, do you want to explain it? Uh, it's basically like, uh, what if like what there was like a watered down Mario Party, but a battle royale where you went up against like sixty people playing the same mini games. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds kind of fun. How many mini games are there? How many different mini games? Uh, like not enough. 10, like ten, but yeah, not enough. Not, not enough. enough. So that's one of the biggest problems with it is uh, is its lack of variety. But it, it has taken the world by storm. Uh, and uh, I think it's free on PlayStation right now. It is. Oh, really? At least it was last week. Yeah. So you should gotcha. you should get it. Um, it's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. I played in little chunks. I think 
one of the most, I think one of the reasons it's actually truly popular aside from like it battle royale in a new genre is just like how desperate everyone is to play a game that's not a shooter, like with their friends online. Right, yeah. Like my roommate is playing a lot of Overwatch and Call of Duty, but like is kind of over both of them, but like that's his main outlet for like, playing games online with his friends and he, he doesn't have anything to fill that void. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the great thing with fall guys is that fall guys lets you play multiplayer, but you're only on a team sometimes because only some team challenges. And otherwise you're just kind of going through the same gauntlet of like hell torture um, with your buds right. over time. <laughs> and that's like a pretty fun experience. And it's fun. It's an easy thing that like anyone can kind of get into. So it's easy to play with like kind of anyone who has a PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's fun. It has a lot of value. But do you want to talk something specific about it that's going on, Griff? I did. Uh, I just got distracted by the fact he didn't know what it was. Uh, totally. So the Fall Guys guys are like cute. They they kind of look uh, they kind of look like uh, like Big Hero Six, like but smushed down. Oh wait a second! Is this where like they're like kind of? I think maybe my roommate did show me this. Is this where they're kind of like they kind of like slink around and it's kind of hard to move them and stuff? Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 yeah they're, like little, they're like little beans. Yeah. Beans. OK, so yeah. I, I actually did play this for like five minutes with my roommate Nico for a second. Wow. He showed it to me and I was just like, yeah, that was cool. No, thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, this, but the main thing that I wanted to talk about with the game is there has been, for some reason, in the social zeitgeist of the game, everyone is teaming up on Yellow Team. Why? Yeah, the people hate Yellow Team. Everyone hates Yellow Team. Now, is it just because they don't like the color yellow? I don't know how it started, but basically you get arbitrarily assigned an, a, a color. You don't get to choose your color before the game. So oftentimes you will be the Yellow Team. But for some reason, when there are color-based like team minigames, everyone just fucks the Yellow Team up. Yeah. Wow. Th- it's weird. I think part of it at least comes from like uh like sort of a parroted parroted knowledge kind of shit where people are like your friend is like i'm showing you fall guys and one thing that's funny is the yellow team always sucks and then everyone's like ah the yellow team sucks now i know mm-hmm. um and it becomes like sort of internalized like mythology stuff right mm-hmm. um but now it's become like real because of that like it's, right there's yeah. like a material outcome where like the it sucks to be on the yellow team because everyone's like oh you guys suck we're gonna steal all of your gems in fact it's gotten so toxic with the yellow team that the creators of fall guys have promised to delete yellow team if they get a million retweets Wow. <laughs> and then like what replace them with Orange? That, that sounds like it's setting a, a, a dangerous precedent. Like we're gonna we're just gonna cancel yellow team. Like uh-huh. Yeah. Um it's interesting because it's like it, it reminds me a lot of like uh I mean sir I think some people are, are getting nervous when companies like kowtow to their fans, but companies only do things when it profits them. So it's like people are like, oh, it's really dangerous that like basically deleting the yellow team is like the Snyder cut of video games. It's like if it makes the fans <laughs> happy, uh, I don't see the harm in it. Yeah, much like, like the Snyder cut. It's just a weird bit. It's just, a, yeah, much like the Snyder Cut, <laughs> it's a weird bit that started from probably like a few people retweeting each other uh, and it, and anyone hand-wringing it uh, should, I don't know, maybe watch the news today or something? I don't Griffin, know. Should we live stream watching the Snyder Cut? 
Abs not. I mean, I think Twitch would get mad at us for doing. We could do a watch party. We could like a react, or we could do like a reaction vid. We we, we could definitely do a watch party. I, I kind of hate watch parties though. They're kind of boring to watch. <laughs> oh, you um, should try it because it's four hours long, and I'm sure it sucks ass. It's four hours. Someone said that somewhere. I don't know if that's actually true, but I think I, it might be. I'm gonna come if it's four hours. Well, yeah, the only way. I'm going to uncut gems meme. Holy shit. I'm going to come if it's four hours. <laughs> hey, uh, just because gems this is how I win. Make so many people mad. So many people who are quote unquote smart, like intellectual movie critics, like who are getting really upset about it. It's just like, it's so funny to get upset. It, about. Is, it is funny. The Snyder cut discourse this week had reminded me of a lesson that we all need to keep in mind, which is that everything cancel culture people talk about in terms of like the dangers to their jobs and reputations like the actual like lambasting they get is like nothing compared to like some lady on Twitter being like the Snyder cut looks stupid. Like <laughs> the, the attack on people who like don't tell nerd fanboys that their favorite thing is the best thing in the world is so much more intense than like Barry Weiss gets. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. I think some people like, uh, like, like get a weird, like, like, like satisfaction out of like declaring certain things for babies and like them and like it declaring intellectual superiority. Um, and, and then there's also toxic fans, too. I well, think it's like a double dose true. of it's the double dose of that intellectual superiority thing, but going in both directions. Yeah. Like one person's like, this is for babies. Why are we so upset about or why are we so intense about the Snyder Cut? And then then someone else is like, it's not for babies. It's for geniuses. (laughs) And which, which brings me to Zack Snyder's incredible tweet. (laughs) Yeah. Great segue. But yeah, Uh, that's the, uh, his tweet, uh, is, uh, you said you enjoyed the theatrical cut of Justice League like you enjoy your Saturday morning cartoons, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> well, this is made for grownups, so you're not in the demographic. Hell yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Whoa. Okay. Well, like, I've seen the movie. Is he just getting rid of the whole movie? Because that whole movie was like not for grownups. I, <laughs> listen, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like kids shouldn't be allowed to watch this Snyder cut. You know, I mean, he's asking them not to. He's asking them not to. He's saying okay. directly they shouldn't. So two questions. Crow, are you going to watch the Snyder cut? You know, I, I, I'm a little curious just because I, I remember talking with Eric's old roommate, Wilson, around the time that Justice League came out and him talking like kind of nonstop about the Snyder cut back <laughs> then. This was Wilson. like a while ago. Like, he was just like, yeah, the, the theatrical release was dog shit, but it was mostly dog shit because like I personally have this like very strong belief that Zack Snyder made like a really great film. And then like he had some personal tragedy and couldn't continue working on it. So then they got all of these like guns for hire to finish it for him. And then they ruined his movie. And so he was like very convinced that the Snyder, like any sort of Snyder original cut, if that existed, was better and was going to be like not a shitty movie. Well, um, here it fucking comes. But yeah, so I, I actually never saw Justice League. So That's I don't, fine. I don't, you know, I guess I don't have the, <laughs> the baseline of like wanting to compare it to the original theatrical release. Yeah. Um, 
But there's yeah. three fun action scenes in it, uh, and it's really it's just, it's a terrible movie. But I, I thought it was more bearable to watch than Batman vs Superman. Yeah, it was better than Batman vs Superman, but it did have this big problem of like a real lack of dramatic action. Like yeah. sometimes there's one part where they fight to save this like magical gem thing, and it flies away from them, and the bad guy just shows up and takes it off screen and flies away, and they're like, "Wait, what's going on?" They're like, "Oh, he's leaving with the thing we need." And everyone's like, "Oh man!" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like bullshit like that that super sucks. But mm-hmm. that raises the question: What happens to like the discourse if it's good? <laughs> Like imagine no, nothing, the internet if it rules. Nothing. Everything, everyone, rem- that's the thing. Nothing changes anymore. Everyone only gets more entrenched in their camp. Literally not, doesn't, the product is irrelevant at this point because because what both sides of, the people who are most vocal on both sides of this are, t- are like find identity and like personal value out of like existing on one of these sides. So literally the product's irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty true. It's the, these, like, tribalistic claims of, like, I'm team S- Zack Snyder now. Everyone's on uh, team right. smart, but on two different sides. And maybe if yeah. one team, like, clearly seems to be, like, getting routed in the discourse, then they'll just, like, shift the focus over to the Robert Pattinson Batman. That movie's sure. gonna whip ass. Robert Pattinson rules. I'll <laughs> say okay. now. That's the last thing I need to talk about as we end out here. Uh, the, the Batman trailer, oh boy, uh... Uh, uh, first of all, yeah, it looks sick. Second of all, I'm so sick of all these people online who are like, I'm a more interesting nerd. I'd like it if Batman was like, um, a rom-com or some shit. And it's like, shut the fuck up. It's just, just get that somewhere else. You know what Batman is like Batman doesn't need to be like a crazy new genre. And like, if you told most average like Batman enjoyers and not like the, uh, like the cultural nerds who like read the comic books, but, but just like the generic American, like uh, audience member who liked the dark Knight, like they don't want it to be a genre bending. Uh, I don't know, like thriller, like, like noir, they want fucking, they want the Batman. Well, and yeah, what I saw in the trailer that I was really drawn to that it seemed like it's maybe doing is it's going more in the direction of like Tim Burton's Batman. Like it's kind of returning after this like long spell of like gritty realism to a sort of more fictional, not grounded in reality version of Gotham City and like these villains and things like that. Yeah, I mean, that's my big pushback on what you're saying, Griffin. I think it needs to still be like mystery adventure shit. But like the fun thing with Batman is that it's mystery adventure shit where he's a big, serious weirdo is a big, serious man. And all of his enemies are weirdos. Right. Are weird fucking freakazoids like Calendar Man and Crazy Quilt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but what I, like, my, my point is that that is actually not why people got excited about but that, like modern Batman. But that's but that's like what the Batman like some of Batman's most popular incarnations are that, right? Like the Tim Burton Batman's, the fucking Batman the animated series is that. But this doesn't um, seem like that lot, to me. I don't a I lot didn't of get the, t- I didn't get Tim Burton vibes from this. I mean, the Riddler looks like he's just like steampunking and then like the the penguin isn't even in costume. Uh Catwoman is wearing a beanie. Seems pretty modern. Yeah, I think it probably is going to be that way. That's kind of what I'm I'm not looking. I, I think it'll still be good because it can still be dark and fun. But I do think that the best Batmans are ones that put him in juxtaposition to the bad guy instead of being like, how close is this line of darkness and trauma? <laughs> instead, it's sort of just like, yeah, Batman's kind of fucked up. But guess who else is fucked up? This dude who uh, collects quilts. 
uh, and like, and then he uses them to do crimes for no discernible reason. Let's stop them. Like that's the fun shit. Yeah, but that's the oh. fun shit in comic books. That's not the fun no, shit. No, but that's, that's been not. Tr- but again, that's you're wrong. Like that's provably wrong. Like the the animated series that's hugely popular and beloved is extremely that. Okay, we're and talking about the live the action Tim, movies and like, like and the, the Tim, Tim Burton, Burton movies ones, are also yeah. that. The Tim Burton ones, yes, but in that era. But I'm talking about the average person who goes to see movies. I'm not saying what's good. I'm saying what's successful. And maybe that's yeah. our, maybe that's our disagreement. Because I like that. I'm a fan of the Tim Burton ones too. I'm just saying that like people who modern day think about Batman right now think about the Dark Knight. They don't yeah, think but that's about only, Tim Burton. Right. But the but the part of the Dark Knight was in response to the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher ones. Like, right. Like, right, and this is the, the swinging that, back of the pendulum. That polarity changes think. all but the time. I disagree with the swinging back of the pendulum, Crow. What do you? What what Tim Burton influences do you see? Well, I think it's just that it's it's subtle. I mean, it's definitely not like swinging back so far as to be like purple and crazy, like you know, like the Tim Burton movie, you know. But it seemed more like with the set design and the design of the Batmobile and like certain aspects in that regard, I just felt like maybe, and then also maybe the, the characterization of Batman as this kind of like goth weirdo, um, seemed a little bit more like they were going to take it in a, in a more whimsical, not whimsical, whimsical is a wrong word, but like just a little bit more like fantasy than, real life gritty groundedness you know like a little bit more fantasy like like maybe gotham isn't exactly chicago or new york you know it's like it's its own sort of like weird like a fantasy director then because like what like there's only like there's tim burton's like kind of a -a one-of-a-kind guy um and and I, i can't really think of like a modern director to like take batman in that like more troopy direction um and like I, I don't know if if you look at the if you look at the Batman trilogy, the, the modern trilogy, the Nolan trilogy, mm-hmm. like the first two were really fun. But like the third one left a bad taste in our mouths. And when it got a little more fantastical and like made less sense, like all of a sudden there was like a, a nuke in New York and there's a stadium and there was like there was too many things going on. And like it was hard to track in the well, same sense. like. It felt like to me like the third the Dark Knight Rises was like a product of its time. I mean, it was grappling with being like hugely successful at the beginning of its reign, but then kind of getting overtaken by the Marvel movies. My point, though, is that people really enjoyed the first two and the third one left a bad taste in their mouth. And I think this trailer proves that a lot of people really just wanted more good modern gritty Batman, not shit modern gritty Batman. And I think there's a difference. And I think that's like why people largely are fucking into this trailer because like uh, the first one, Batman, what's it? What was the first one? Batman, Batman Begins fucking slaps. Uh, and I think well, people and Batman are begins ready is a lot for Batman more, Begins again. <laughs> right. Well, the thing about Batman Begins is kind of unlike the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises, like the set design and the characterization of Gotham and all of those things are a little bit more fantasy. And with like the sort of samurai aspect of Liam Neeson's character and like all of those things, like it takes it away from Batman basically being like a vigilante in a city that we actually recognize. Um, whereas Batman Begins and what I kind of see similar in the Tim Burton Batman and in this new trailer is that the city and the space is 
more fictitious. It's more like it's 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 emphasizing these sort of dark elements of Gotham and these these sort of relationships between the you know the the bad guys and their city you know and stuff like that it's less like Dark Knight was a really great movie but it was so grounded in this like realism like Harvey Dent is this like guy at a podium that you would see on the news you know but the penguin is at a podium talking to the news in a very similar way in this trailer I just I don't see the fantastical elements and I'm not trying to be mean I'm just like I want to see those and I, I don't Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's just like the colors or like the way the the set is is designed. It just like the podium. Yeah, he's at a podium. He's he's giving a speech, but it doesn't look like the news of of today. You know, it looks like it looks like a like the news in a comic book. You know, it looks more like like imagined, I guess, to me. Maybe that's a weird take. I don't know. It just doesn't look like a normal, like everyday kind of modern city. It For looks sure. like Gotham, yeah, it does have a lot more know? color. It does have a lot more color and a little bit more energy to it, which even that is nice. I'll say people are like, why are they repeating these villains again? Why can't we do Clayface? And I'm like, did you guys see Spider-Man 3? They tried to do shit like the Sandman. It looked like shit. Like people respond to characters that are grounded in like a human element. And like Batman does have a lot of great villains, but those villains like work in animated and they work in like a video game sense. That's why the Arkham City game is so great because it gives us access to like a large variety of side people. But like when you translate that stuff to live action, a lot of it's just too fucking corny. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Anyways, uh, I directed the Batman and I'm pissed at you guys. <laughs> it's, it's, here's the news. It's Griffin's Matt Reeves. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we were all going to have to deal with it. Uh, well, uh, a- a- any last notes, guys, before we, before we write, write this sucker out? Uh, I just want to update everyone that I have reached Diamond Tier in Magic the Gathering Arena again. Oh, um, tight. Congrats. I think, uh, yeah, thank you very much. I think everyone should be celebrating my achievement. Get those uh, Chivos, baby. Yeah, because I'm uh, crushing it. They tried to ban my deck, and I just came back slightly less strong. <laughs> uh, oh, I've been playing Bloodborne uh, on stream, revisiting the masterpiece that is Bloodborne. Uh, okay. in- incredible. Wow. Beautiful. We're going to beat it together on stream. Uh, nice. Pro, is there anything that we have to plug? How, how is the tea stuff going? Do we have any upcoming tea events or anything? Um, You know... It's funny. I kind of have been ebbing and flowing with the tea stuff. Eric is hitting the tea stuff really, really hard and like doing actual like behind the scenes like work for them, like business work for the tea house and everything. But s- since being in L.A., I've been kind of disconnected a little bit from that community. I mean, I, I, I'm still connected. They're still like my very dear friends and things. It's just like I'm kind of removed from the daily goings on. And now that it's a pandemic, it's not like I'm having tea tastings like there's just (laughs) i can't have friends over so i like i I like haven't seen most of my friends in like months like i've just been unfortunately having to play the the pandemic kind of like pretty cautious because of because of your situation yeah yeah because the fact that my partner's pregnant and i'm like i don't know like i think if my partner weren't pregnant like we would be playing this a little bit looser like we would because both of us pre-pandemic brie and i were both kind of the type of people who are like it like you guys be going to spring break 
Well, we, we were just like, you could, you, you know, it's probably good for you to like put your hands in the dirt, like working on a garden and then touch your face. Like, yeah, you might get some like weird soil bacteria in there, but that's probably inoculating you from the diseases. And like Brie has been working with children since she was like 19 as like a job, you know, be, between being a preschool teacher and being a dance instructor and dance studio owner. Like she's just... You know, she she would have been the type to be like, you know what, like I'm always around kids like I've been infected with everything like I feel fine, you know, like we would have probably played the coronavirus pandemic a little differently if we hadn't, you know, become this like maybe sort of like hot like not high risk because I don't think there's actually like a huge risk to pregnant people like the pregnant mom with regard to coronavirus or anything, I think more yeah. of the worry would be like after the baby's born, like right. the baby having like a, a being like immunocompromised. If you, if, but, you, if you didn't have that, you'd be going to the Smash Mouth concert with me, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'd totally go see Smash Mouth. Absolutely. Yeah. Go, going to Sturgis, <laughs> South Dakota for the motorcycle rally. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'd, be, we'd, be, but, we'd be riding um, our bikes. Yeah. But no, no, no like big tea events or anything, like nothing like that. I mean, the only two real like big video games that I've even played this whole like summer have been Ghost of Tsushima and then the Final Fantasy 7 remake I've nice. spent a good amount of hours on but like yeah. other than that it's just been kind of chilling like I watched a bunch of seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race alright so that's um, that's your plug you're plugging RuPaul's Drag Race a show that needs more fun. attention if you, if you want garbage <laughs> television which I usually okay. don't but you know I've submitted cool. in the pandemic time that's great you know a lot of people are selfish with their plug a moment but used it uh, altruistically for RuPaul yeah. Yeah. I love that. to put credit to credit it where the under the underknown never talked about <laughs> yes, <laughs> underrepresented uh yeah. well uh guys it's uh this is coming out in two days so if you're listening to it this morning uh, tune in to six o'clock. Uh, I'm streaming the RNC Republican National Convention every night this week. Uh, we fun. are going to bear witness to the the beautiful death march last week was the DNC and it was kind of a, it was kind of like a, a low energy spiral into the darkness. And, and this is going to be kind of putting the brick on the gas pedal into the abyss uh, this week. So uh, that'll be really fun. Tune in twitch.tv slash Choom Room. Uh, maybe Lux, maybe you can get Lux on one of these nights. Yeah, maybe I'll be around. Um, as far as me, I got nothing. I think I have some more stuff for Rooster Teeth coming soon ish. Um, obviously check out Wisecrack and uh, check out Haley on Instagram at Eat Every Sound and on YouTube at Eat Every Sound and that's everything that we're going to plug I think so that's the end of the show baby later later dudes later